You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. As we read the scripture just a moment ago, someone has said the Bible was written to be obeyed, not simply studied. You know, as we think about all that God's Word has for us, it's one thing to know what God says. It's one thing to study what God says. But if it just goes in and it never comes out, then it is not accomplishing that desired end. James put it this way, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so uh, when we look here at the second half of the book of Ephesians, uh, we will find the therefores and the wherefores. There's instruction that's been given, and now because of what we've been taught, there's the expectation that we're going to do something with it. There's the expectation that now we have, we have already learned, now it's time to do. Now it's time to take what we have been given and allow it to become a reality in our life. You know, Christians in the United States have skated. We, we have been given so much freedom that we can believe and we can act without any fear, without any persecution, with really no oppression at all. These first century Christians, that wasn't the case. When they took a stand of what God had said and they were to do, they, they were the recipients of oppression, persecution, not just from the lost world, but also from the religious world. And we have been given so much. I believe we've taken it for granted. I know I have. There have been a lot of things that I've just taken for granted. I'm an American. I have freedom. And I can go where I want to go. I can do what I want to do. Uh, just uh, uh, the rebel in your pastor uh, on uh, earlier in the week when this little uh, curfew came out, uh, we got in the car and took off. It was 10:30 at night, and we just listen. I'm not a 12 year old, and uh, that needs to be given a curfew. And so uh, we jumped in the car and took off. And uh, she said, "Well, where are we going?" I said, "We're just going. We just got to go." And so we drove around, and then we uh, went down to the sheriff's department and prayed for all the officers, deputies down there, and uh, connected with a few deputies. But uh, just uh, uh, you know, there we have we have been given so much without any persecution and problems, we've taken it for granted. Now we are finding ourselves having to make decisions based on what we know. Are we going to just keep cataloging out information or are we truly going to grab what we've been given and allow it to impact us to be who God wants us to be. And if nothing else, during this entire COVID situation, it should have been sharpening all of us. Our faith, as our, as our theme this year, 
is focused faith. It should have been drawn in a little tighter. It should have been a little bit more real. And now as we're looking at potentially a new administration, we do not expect from that administration more freedom but less. What are we going to do? Because what we do is based on who we are. I want to take a few moments this morning, and we are going to, I'm going to speak to you on the subject, it's time to be. It's time to be. And let's pray together. Father, we pray that you'd bless now this time. May you be honored by everything said and done. I pray that you would just speak uh, through me to your people. Help us, lead us, guide us, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. So here we, uh, we look uh, in, around us and there is corruption, there is hypocrisy, there is emptiness of words. It's everywhere. It is in D.C., it's in Sacramento, it's in Yuba Sutter, it is, it's everywhere. Uh, and the reality is it's even in churches. We want to make it out as if it's just the lost world that has hypocrites. But that's not the case. There, it is across the board. You see, uh, we, we look within uh, churches and, uh, and even professions. You know, uh, nobody is saying within, even with, within the church that we have arrived and that we are perfect and that we don't have any areas uh, that are wrong. Uh, that would definitely be hypocritical. Uh, but, but with that, uh, if, if there is no sincere desire for us to be what God wants us to be, it's just a show. If there isn't something in us that is driving us, drawing us to follow our Savior and to live in a way to please Him, then it's really just a show. So it's time to be, and we're going to look at several things that we are supposed to be, and we'll look at them from this passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians. Uh, number one, it's time to be real. It's time to be real. Uh, look back in chapter number four and uh, verse number 20. Uh, the Bible says, but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, here what we find is Paul is writing to them. He says, ye have not so learned Christ, if, and what he is referring to, if they have heard him, they have been taught by him, and they have not been living it out. It has has not come to fruition in their life and it has not impacted who they are, then, then it's, not, it's not real. And, and it's important for us in our Christian life to be real. We need to be real. Uh, we, have, we have learned about him, uh, but if we have learned about him and have not learned him, then uh, as 
then it's not real. If we have heard him but have not learned him, we, we are not being real. If we have been taught by him but we have not learned him, and when we're talking about learning him, we're talking about allowing him and his truth, his teachings to impact who we are. And if that is not the case, then we it is not real in our life. You see, the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. And if the truth is in Jesus, it is also revealed in Jesus. That's how we see what truth is, is because it's in Jesus. It was manifested in him and revealed uh, to us through him. So it's not enough for us just to know about the Lord. Uh, We need to know, uh, we need to allow what we know about him and have been taught uh, from him uh, to impact who we are as a person. It can't just be knowledge. It has to be who we are. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12 and 13. The Bible says this, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard uh, of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse 10 uh, through 16. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But thou but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You see, what are these verses teaching us? These verses are teaching us that as the apostle Paul had learned of Christ, that it impacted how he lived. And as an example uh, of how the Lord lived, as an example of how other godly individuals have lived, an example of what God has manifested himself to us through his word, it should impact how we live. You see, we need to be real. There's a poem that is entitled, Two Pictures. This poem, it's, the author is unknown, but it has a great story in it. Two pictures hung on the wall in a dingy hall on a grand old Flor- Florentine hall. One of a child of beauty rare with a cherub face and golden hair. The lovely look of whose radiant eyes filled the soul with thoughts of paradise. The other was a visage vile, marked with the lines of lust and guile. A loathsome being whose features fell, brought to the soul weird thoughts of hell. Side by side in their frames of gold, dingy and dusty and cracked and old. This is the solemn tale they told. 
A youthful painter found one day in the streets of Rome a child at play and moved by the beauty that it bore, the heavenly look that its features wore. On a canvas radiant and grand, he painted its face with master hand. Year after year on its, his wall it hung, t'was ever joyful and always young, driving away all thoughts of gloom while the painter toiled in his dingy room. Like an angel of light, it met its, uh, his gaze, bringing him dreams of his boyhood days, filling his soul with a sense of praise. His raven ringlets grew thin and gray, his young ambition all passed away. Yet he looked for years in many a place to find a contrast to that sweet face. Though through haunts of vice and in the night he stayed to find some ruin that crime had made. At last in prison cell he caught a glimpse of the hideous fiend he sought. On a canvas weird and wild but grand he painted the face with his master hand. His task was done, t'was a work sublime, and an angel of joy and a friend of crime, a lesson of life from the wrecks of time. O crime with ruin, thy road is strewn, and brightest beauty the world has known. Thy power has wasted till in the mind no trace of its presence is left behind. The loathsome wretch in the dungeon low, with a face of a fiend and a look of woe, Ruined by revels of crime and sin, a pitiful wreck of what might have been. Hated and shunned and without a home was the child that had played in the streets of Rome. The same individual that brought that face of joy and innocence at the end of life was the face of guile and deceit and injury, and hate. You see, unfortunately, what began did not continue. You know, you and I are not an exception to the rule. If we do not allow God's word to impact us deeper than just a knowledge of him, we can find ourselves in the wreck of sin. You see, we need to be real. It's time for us to be real. Secondly, it's time for us to be renewed. To be renewed. Uh, none of us have arrived. This is a process that we are all in. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 22. The Bible says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Uh, the word renewed there, uh, it means to become reestablished like new and often in an approved manner. You know what it is? It's the new and improved you. The new and improved you. 
uh, when we, we look at being uh, renewed in our mind, uh, our mind, uh, of course, because of humanity, because of the fall of Adam, we are born in trespasses and sins. And we will never again go all the way back to Adam uh, until the Lord gives us a new body and we are out of this world of sin. Uh, but there will be a day, I'm looking forward to that, uh, when we don't have to face the, the, uh, the human uh, side of ourselves, the fleshly, carnal nature of sin. Uh, but in this day, as a child of God, we can be renewed in our mind. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. It's time for us to be renewed. It's time for us every single day to become before the Lord and seek his will and seek his, uh, his word and seek his presence and his direction in our life. Uh, it's time for us to be renewed. We can't allow our human nature to have its way in our lives. Uh, here we have Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And you know, you and I are supposed to be renewed, not just in our own image, in what we think that we should be. We need to be, uh, we need to be renewed in the image of him uh, who created us. You see, the old man, the flesh, the sin nature is to be re renewed. We are to put off the old man, uh, the former conversation the old life, B.C., before Christ. What was it like before Christ? Uh, that should never be the, the case after we have been saved. Uh, we're to put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. It's not time to just think. It's not time just to know. It's time to be. It's time to be real. It's time to be renewed. Be renewed. Thirdly, it's time to be Righteous, righteous. Go back to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four and verse number 26. Verse number 27. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. You know, righteous indignation. We are to be righteous. Not just in our own living, but also righteous in our view. You know, God has given us an a emotion, an emotion called anger. And it is that arousal of that emotion and that righteousness. It should be aroused. It should be stirred. It should be stirred to cause us uh, to be, uh, to be uh, active and engaged in what God is active in uh, engages. But what is it that stirs our anger? What is it that stirs our passions? Uh, is it unpatriotic behavior in our, in our land today? Uh, I don't know about you, but that makes me mad. It makes me mad. It stirs uh, my, my uh, anger, uh, unpatriotic behavior. The kneeling for the national anthem has nothing to do with racial injustice uh, or social injustices. Uh, it, is a, it is a slap in the face of every person who has fought for our country. 
that stirs me uh, uh, because of that. The burning of flags, that, that, stirs, uh, that stirs me. Uh, Antifa, uh, that stirs me. Uh, it's, it's amazing how these who are Antifa, anti-fascist, uh, they're going around touting their patriotism and burning our flag. It doesn't make sense. Uh, they, they don't even understand what fascism is. Fascism is a government that is ruled by a dictator who uses force to, to suppress any of his opinions. Now, that is not the case in America. That's not the case. It is a false, it is a false battle. It is, a, it is a straw man that has been raised up as though it is a real issue. Uh, the, the only ones that are being uh, that forcibly uh, putting their, their uh, opinions out are the anti-fascist. They're the ones that are causing the streets to be burned and the buildings to be boarded up. It, it's unbelievable how all of that uh, has taken place and the ones that are using force and the lawlessness in the streets, the ones that are opposing uh, our law enforcement. Uh, what a disgrace. Uh, but the Bible gives us uh, some instruction about this. We are to be righteous, and we are. Uh, he said, be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. So what is... What does righteous indignation then look like? What does God get angry about? God, God is angry when his house becomes a den of thieves. When it becomes a money-making uh, institution, when people prostitute uh, the sacrifices, the offerings, uh, the Lord turned over the money changers in the temple, uh, what had happened is they were manipulating and they were seeking uh, personal gain off of the sacrifice of God's people. And that's a travesty. That, is, that makes God mad. Uh, the Lord was upset with that. Uh, he was upset with Hophni and Phinehas who were taking the best of the sacrifices for themselves, uh, uh, Eli's sons. Uh, they were immoral uh, individuals. Those were, those were things that, that made God mad. Uh, Eli, uh, who in 1 Samuel would not correct his sons, and he allowed them to continue down a path uh, to destruction that literally took their life caused them to be judged by God to the extent where God said, I'm going to take them out. What is it that makes God mad? Idolatry makes God mad. Colossians 3, 5, it says, Mortify therefore your, uh, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You know, when we think about idolatry, we think of Buddha. We think of uh, some tabernacle somewhere. We think of some statue, some idol, uh, some, some saint that is uh, prayed to as an individual. Uh, and, and we look at that and say, that, that would be idolatry. The Lord includes not only immorality, he includes covetousness. And he calls it idolatry. That makes God mad. There is a righteous indignation against that. 
And here, what do we find? Uh, if we are going to be real, then we, we, are, we are going to be what the Lord wants us to be. We have to be real. We have to be renewed. We need to be righteous, not just in our own personal conduct, but also in our views. In our views. Because if there is no righteous indignation for sin that is going on in our country and the condition that has gone on, then it will not cause us to do anything. There will be no response. There would be no response. You see, here there was righteousness that was expected. What are we to be? Be real. We are to be renewed. We are to be righteous. Fourthly, we are to be relational. We are to be relational. Look at verse number 32, Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible says, And be kind uh, one to another, tenderhearted, uh, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And, and here, as Paul is teaching these individuals, there had been uh, oppression. There had been problems. Now he is trying to teach them how to take all this instruction, and he's summing it up. These are the things that you need to be. And, and as he does so, he's saying, you you need to be relational. Be kind one to another. You know what? As God's people, we ought to be kind. It doesn't say we have to be passive. You can be kind and not be passive. You can be kind and still stand for truth. He said, be kind. Colossians 3, verse 12, uh, put on therefore as the elect God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ for, forgave you, so also do ye. And you know, as believers, you know what we need to be? We need to be kind. And that, that kindness is not just being gracious with our words, it's also being forgiving. It's being forgiving. It is going to cause, why? Truth is going to impact who we are. And if we are gonna allow God's truth to impact who we are, it's gonna come out in, in these ways. Uh, we are to be uh, kind. Uh, we are to, the word kind there is gently pleasant, not harsh or severe. Not harsh or severe. Uh, you know, just because it comes natural for us to be harsh does not mean that that's how we're supposed to be. You know, just saying, well, that's just, just how I am, pastor. Well, you have to tell the Lord that. Don't tell me that. Well, I just got to say, say it how it is. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. See, see here when we are, we allow, you can stand for truth and not be harsh. We don't have to be harsh. We don't have to be hateful. 
And as believers, uh, we are to be uh, kind. Uh, and that, that word there is gently pleasant, not harsh or stern or severe. So here, God is saying, he doesn't want us to be harsh and severe. He doesn't want us to be injurious one to another. And we can stand for truth. He wants us to stand for truth. We don't have to compromise, but we, don't all, we also don't have to be injurious. It's amazing how much injury our tongue can bring. You know, it's amazing how much injury a text or a post can bring. You know, Pastor, that's just too hard. I'm glad you said that. Take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And look with me at verse number 30. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 30. The Lord said it this way. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, God's ways are not hard ways. They're not hard ways. You know what's hard? The way of the transgressor, the Bible says, is hard. God's ways bring blessings. God blesses obedience. And you and I, when we submit our ways to his ways, uh, his yoke is easy. His burden, the, the burdens that he puts on us, the expectations that he put, puts on us, the, 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 uh, uh, the job, the, the rule, if you would, that is placed on our shoulders. The Lord said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John 13, 35 said it this way, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. You know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be kind one to another. He said, well, they don't deserve it. Neither do you, nor, nor do I. None of us deserve it. But we have a God who is forgiving to us, and as he forgives us, we are to forgive others. As he is kind to us, we are to be kind to others. As he is gracious and merciful and patient and long-suffering, uh, as he has uh, been good, loving to us, we are to be that way with one another. So here, as we look at these things, as Paul is bringing the wherefores and the therefores because of uh, what has been taught in the verses previous, now he is saying these are the things that need to be implemented into your life. He said, uh, we need to be real. We need to be renewed. We need to be righteous. We need to be relational. Fifthly, we need to be resolute. We need to be resolute. Go back to the text verses this morning, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You know here what he's teaching us, that being followers of God, he is, he is saying, be ye therefore, because of all these things, be a follower of God as dear children. And then he goes through, walk in love. Uh, why? Because he had given himself for us. 
You know, we need to be, we need to be resolute. What is that? We need to be resolved uh, in and determined in our following Christ. We need to be determined. We need to be committed. Our, our, our thoughts, our faith, it ought to be, it ought to be resolute. It ought to be, uh, it ought to be determined. Uh, set, we ought to be set in our purpose and in our opinion. You know, we don't need to be a follower uh, of religion. We don't need to be a follower of church. We don't need to be a follower of a pastor or another man. We need to be a follower of Christ, a follower of God. And he said that uh, be therefore followers of God as dear children. Uh, that word there, uh, mimistai, uh, it is the follower. The word follower there literally means an imitator, an imitator. When I was in college, there was, a, there was one of the, uh, the Bible teachers uh, that was just an amazing preacher, teacher. Uh, this guy had everything. I mean, he had everything pulled together. Uh, he had the charisma. He had the speaking ability. He had the personality. He had the knowledge, the, uh, the, the uh, oratory skills. This guy had everything. And there were, there were a lot of guys that would, of course, you, you see something that somebody has and you uh, take on some of their character traits. Maybe you emulate some things uh, about them. But there was one guy in the college that went way over the top. I mean, he started looking to see what brand of shoes this Bible teacher wore. And he bought the exact same shoes. He would buy the exact same suits. He would see him with a tie and he would get that same tie. He studied how he walked. And he would walk. It was, it was creepy. You would see him going down the hallway and it's from the back. I mean, he changed how he combed his hair. Not that there's a whole lot of ways that you change your hair uh, as, uh, as a Christian, unless it's like uh, some whose the hair's just going away. Uh, but uh, anyway, you know, changed how he styled his hair to, to be exactly how this other Bible teacher uh, had his hair. Uh, he, he, would prac he, he would stand there and he would use his hand mannerisms just like this other individual would. And it was, if, at first it was just comical, but then it was, it was just weird. Having somebody that would follow somebody else to that degree. He became an imitator of that person. The literal word of be followers of God as dear children is to be an imitator. You and I are to look at the Lord through the pages of the Word of God and we are to imitate His actions. We are to imitate His responses. 
We are to imitate, to replicate exactly what he would have done had we been that person. Uh, How many of you as parents, uh, you will do something and you turn around and your kids are doing it the exact same way? What are they? They are little imitators. We as Christians, we are to be a little imitator of our Savior. We are to be following him. The Apostle Paul, uh, six times in Scripture, this Greek word is used. uh, When the Apostle Paul said, be followers together of me as also I am of Christ, he was saying that word, same word, that imitator was, you imitate me as I imitate Christ. You follow me as I am following Christ. Paul wasn't trying to just get a following for himself. He was just trying to be a visual so people would know how they were supposed to live. Uh, Isn't it a lot nicer when we have a visual on how we should should, uh, follow or how we should act, how we should do some things? Uh, When you when you have somebody that uh, goes to college and they get a degree, but they have absolutely no practical application in what they have been taught, uh, there is nothing like OJT to to bring about and to tie all of the teachings together when you can see it enacted for yourself. And you, you and I, we are to be an imitator of Christ, but also are we not only to be an imitator of Christ so we can follow him, we need to be an imitator of Christ so those who are coming behind us can also see how a Christian is to live, how a Christian is to respond, how a Christian is to deal with outward pressure, outward stimulus, outward uh, problems and pressures of life, uh, persecution, how should we live? And you and I, it's time to be. It's time for us to be what we say we are. We need it in our homes. We need it in our relationships. We need it in our community We need it in our church. It's time to be. Now let me ask you a question this morning. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord as your personal Savior? If you know the Lord as your personal Savior, let me me, uh, just encourage you. uh, Are you living out your Christian life? Pastor, I'm... I'm watching online, praise the Lord. I'm here, praise the Lord. I'm I'm trying, praise the Lord. But are we are we allowing what God has done in us to come out? Or are we floating? Floating is a dangerous place for a believer. Yesterday's spirituality will do nothing for you today. Yesterday's Bible study will not help you today. Yesterday's prayer time or last week's prayer time or last month's prayer time, it's not going to help you today. Uh, the Bible says that we are to put on the armor of God that, may, that we may able to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, you and I are facing battles. We are going to face uh, issues day by day. We need the Lord's help. And it's time for us not to just know. It's time for us 
to be. I'm thankful for every committed Christian we have. Uh, Our church is filled with them. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the heart that people have of trying and desiring to serve the Savior. And what a blessing that that is. But we cannot get complacent. In these days, we definitely cannot be complacent. We have to be faithful to the Savior. This world needs to see Christ. Your Facebook friends do not need to see you. They need to see Christ. They don't need to see you on a bad day with a bad post or a bad attitude. They need to see Christ. Amen. The, your coworkers don't need to see your flesh, your carnality. They need to see Christ. And as we go through this world, and as darkness seems to prevail... We need to have light. Believers need to stand. They need to see the light. They need to see the love. And they need to see that in each and every one of us. It's time to be real. It's time to be renewed. It's time to be righteous. It's time to be relational. And it's time to be resolute, resolved in our own minds and hearts. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. You know the needs of each person. And Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would just work in our hearts today. Lord, if maybe we have slid a little bit away from you, I pray that you would just draw us back to yourself. Uh, for those that are, that are uh, tuned in this morning, I pray that you would help each and every one, uh, myself included, help us, Lord, to recognize where we have failed you. And I pray that our hearts would be uh, repentant and our actions would be renewed, that we would change. Uh, We need to be faithful to you. And so I pray that you would help us. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and maybe right where you're at. Do Do you know the Lord? If you're saved this morning, are you allowing the Lord to come out in your daily life? Is his... Is his will, is his actions being seen? Or is it our own flesh? We each need to be what God wants us to be. If you're watching online and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, on your screen there's a number. Let me encourage you, just text that number, 530 Two nine zero six four 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 and text heaven to that number. We'll have someone reach out and, and get back with you and answer any questions you have about your eternal destiny. There's no greater decision that you will ever make than the decision to trust Christ. Christian, how you doing? Are we floating? If you need prayer, If there's something that you need that we can help you with, put a text in. Just put a text in to that same number and say prayer. And I'll I'll personally get back with you on that. We want to help in any way we can. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. 
That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.